All right, y'all. Welcome back to the Kingdom Vision podcast. I'm excited to have a guest on here, Adam McCampbell. Adam, thanks for being here. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, me and I interviewed Adam once before on my personal YouTube channel, so I had to get him on a second time. I'm in mm. Arkansas, actually. Uh, we're filming something for the BCM. Yeah, yeah, BCM, Baptist Collegiate Ministry. Baptist Collegiate Ministry. It's, it's BSM in Texas, yeah. the BCM in Arkansas. Yeah. Um, so we're here at Arkansas Tech. So I guess mm. that's where we'll start. Um, kind of talk about why I'm here and then what we're doing here yeah. and then kind of talk about branch out into what you're doing here in Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, man, we got Cole here this week. Uh, big thing about Baptist Collegiate Ministry is this promotion, you know, uh, Collegiate work is something that changes every single year because every year you get new students in, the freshmen. And so, um, and you're constantly, you know, reaching that new new students. And I'm, I'm brand new, this is starting in January. So, uh, got in getting on, on college campus when COVID's still a big deal. Uh, and halfway through the semester, COVID ends finally. And then everything really opens back up. So now we're kind of really just revamping every single thing about a Baptist Collegiate Ministry, Arkansas Tech University. And so, that's kind of what we have Cole here. Um, Cole's an amazing photographer, videographer. It's awesome. So, I appreciate that. Yeah, man. So getting him here, getting some getting some promo, getting the shoot out, like, hey, what is Baptist Collegiate Ministry of Arkansas Tech? What do we do? Who are we? Getting to communicate that. Um, you know, video is just, uh, you know, Instagram, everything. It's just, it's just the way to connect, you know, with people. So sure. I think getting to push that vision out, it's going to be huge. And getting people, students coming for the very first time thinking, I know what this is about, and I'm ready to experience what God has for me here yeah. how long you been in arkansas how long is it this is a new position new position i'm from arkansas originally so i mean i was born and raised here yeah. um you know two years outside of it a little over two years in texas and college station and then coming coming back so we've been back in the state now uh since like early december so like what seven months or something like that um yeah. so yeah that, not, not too long should back. we settle the debate what's better at arkansas or texas um, should you should you answer that or will yeah. you Arkansas Arkansas in trouble if, for answering that? Well, if we go if we go based off sports and the fact that you know Arkansas did beat every single Texas the big universities in every sport this year, you know it's cool. What sh- you know what they say? Say correlation? Oh no 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 that, that won't even apply. But we see one year mm-hmm. and we see the masses of twenty years. I don't think I think A and M has beat Arkansas the last seven of eight. They beat them like seven in a it row did. in football. In football, but in all the other sports, you know. Yeah, 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 we yeah. have to look at. We're good at basketball too. Basketball, baseball. Yeah. You know, we we take an all. You know, Arkansas is pretty good in all. You sports. have a claim in, claim to fame in Russellville too for the original Whataburger and stuff like that. That's right. That's right. The original so, one. The original one's here. You know, it starts here, and then whatever. Texas. You know, comes on later and says, "Hey, that's a great name. Let's try to steal it." But yeah. it, you know, it doesn't really work. We're gonna have to research. I'm gonna have to research, research that more on my yeah, personal. Yeah. But um. Now, today we're going to talk about, I want to ask Adam about some specific topics, or a specific topic, which is the correlation between faith and prayer. Jesus only marveled twice at somebody's faith. Once at the centurions, he marveled at how great, he's never seen a faith so great Mm. in all of Israel, and then at the unbelief of his hometown, he marveled. So, Adam, I want you to go in and just talk about this idea of faith and what the impact, uh, implications of this are and what this means. Yeah. Man, it's, it's a big deal um, when you think about this. The centurion story is ca- uh, captured twice here in Luke 7 and again in Matthew 8. And then you have the Mark 6 story uh, about a prophet without honor in his own hometown and marveling at their lack of yeah. lack of faith there. And so here's this guy. I, I, what I like about this story is when Jesus marvels at the Roman centurion, 
he's not just he's not we can't just say he's marveling at a gentile say oh he's marveling someone non-jew it's it's more than that he's he's a roman he is he is this symbol of oppression um think about today today's time when i think about anytime i think of oppression i just think where we are in society today and oppression's a big deal we all we're all in political talk we're always throwing it around Mm -hmm. and here's the guy who represents that uh and jesus doesn't put him off because he knows the you know we would do well identifies as a roman all he can do is oppress me i'm not going to talk to you you know but he changes he's like this is he looks at the man right he's looking at the individual it wasn't the all the jews thought that the Messiah would come and slay the Romans yeah. with his sword and come liberate yeah. them. Exactly. And, and so instead true. of thinking that, he's, he does this. And then when you look at this guy individually, not all Romans were like this, but he, he built their synagogue there in Capernaum, you know? And so he was one, does he, was he one building? Was he one over in charge of it? I don't know. I'm assuming because he's a centurion, he's probably over it, right? But so what's awesome about this story as we, as we, as we walk through it, he first sends these Jewish elders to come talk to him, right? Yeah. So these Jewish people who, who say, who should hate him, love him, you know? And they're coming and speaking like, hey, heal his, heal his servant. This servant, we got to think of, is just a slave. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's, that's all he is. Uh, this Roman centurion can discard him, move on, and get another one. Not a big deal. I mean, that's, that's his authority in the world he lives in, yet... He doesn't take on the culture that tells him he has authority over this guy and says he, he's, he's, um, he's discardable, you know? He doesn't matter. He's yeah. not a human, essentially. Uh, I can discard, but a guy, he says, I care for my servant. Yeah. That's a totally different realm, right? So you see this, uh, I think within this, with this Roman centurion, you see a man of humility, a man of great power. You know, I love in the story, right? So he says... Way he, way he sends his other servants later on, he says in verse 8, For I too am a man under authority, set under authority, with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, when he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he doesn't. Like, what's interesting is, I don't know how far this guy, the centurion, goes in understanding Jesus' authority. Does he know Jesus is God? I, I don't, I can't imagine he sits there and just, and does, I don't know where, because he never says, I know you're he God. He recognizes him in some and some form of authority. He yeah. knows he has authority. Well, what's interesting is, like, he understands that Jesus doesn't have to be present to perform a miracle. That's what's different in this story than all the other ones. Um, you know, every all the other is they want signs. They want wonders. But they want it right here. Yeah. This guy is saying, I don't have to show up. Number one, I'm not going to show up because I feel like I don't, I'm not deserving to stand in your presence. Number two, even though he's a Roman centurion, and this guy's a Jew, so think about society— yeah. He's, he knows he cannot walk into my house because he understands Jewish culture says, my house is unclean. This puts this guy in, in jeopardy. But Jesus is willing to go to his house. But even in the time that Jesus is walking to his house, he's willing. The guy just says, I don't think you should come. You know, you know it's just this humility he portrays. He doesn't see himself above Jesus ever. Yeah. But even though he has all the authority culture to be culture would say he is. Yeah. So this faith and this humility that he displays is, is, is I think, is, is a monumental. Um, I think he understands, like I said, he understands the authority that Jesus has. Um, and he understands this is not magic. He doesn't have to be present to put his hands on a servant. He just knows if this guy's got real authority, which he understands that, all he has to do is say a word, and it happens. Can you, can you just imagine? I mean, that's totally different than everywhere else. Um, even the disciples, I don't think, even understand the authority Jesus has. Remember, they're in the boat yeah. in the storm, and they're freaking out. Um, 
And I think yeah. I would freak out too. We're going to drown. Jesus, be quiet, be still. Like this centurion <laughs> understands that authority that Jesus has. For sure. But the disciples go along and still never understand. Really, until um, after his ascension, they still don't understand. His, until after his, after his ascension, the Holy Spirit comes, and then all of a sudden, like clicks in them, boom, you know. So they finally get it when the Holy Spirit falls upon them. This guy gets it before he even, you know what I'm saying? Before he even gets the yeah. Spirit, he gets it. It's just. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So I think when we start talking about about faith and we really talk about this guy in particular, I think we have to say what makes him, what makes Jesus marvel at him. And I think what makes Jesus really truly marvel at him is, uh, is just his humility that he displays. Mm-hmm. It's faith and humility. It's not about faith that's above God. It's not about faith that I'm using to distort and get my way. Uh, it's not a faith that I can say, if I have faith, the faith in all these things can happen. It's not, it's not about that. It's just this humility. My faith is under Christ, knowing he can do all things. And, you know, I know he can do it, and I'm just going to be humble and ask. Um, just having such a high view of Jesus. Yeah. Hey, you're so worthy. And that's what I like about this. It says in verse 3, um, he sent to them elders of the Jews, asking him to come heal his servant. And the elders said, he is worthy mm. to have you do this to him. The Jews were saying, the, elder, the Jewish elders, hey, this centurion is worthy. And then the centurion himself says, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy, yeah. So it's, it's just a high view of how yeah. high view of, a, of Jesus he has. And I think about... Which is two, faith. Yeah, you think about James 2 and James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. It talks about... Um, don't think highly of yourself, essentially. So it kind of goes in the story of when you walk into a room, uh, don't sit in the seat of honor yeah. because someone else might come in who is actually more honorable because, you know, society, he's richer. So he asks him, they'll ask you to move for the more honorable. So here's a centurion who has all the honor in this area, and he comes in and says, I don't have any honor. I don't want the seat of honor. I don't expect these things. Everybody else says he has honor, he's worthy. He's, I am not worthy. Yeah. And so the, look at that humility. He's never willing to take the, the seat of honor because he understands that seat of honor always and forever belongs to Jesus. The correlation now is specifically what I want to hear your thoughts on is the correlation between faith hmm. and an answered prayer. Okay. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. you read Mark 11, 23 through 25. I'll read it for us real quick. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain... Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive, and if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father, also who is in heaven, may forgive you of your trespasses. Mm. So there's lots of things happening in this, this yeah. two verses. But yeah. first, let's just talk about faith. In answered prayers, not answered prayers. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think obvious what you see in the base of this, this, this is a very loaded text. Um, I think we also could say this text has a lot of tension within that. Um, one, one of the key elements, I think, when it comes to really true biblical doctrine and understanding Bible is the Scripture must prove Scripture, right? So I don't ever take one Scripture and say, okay, well, because the Scripture says this, that's my, that's my theology. You know, I have to see what does other scriptures say, and that's what it's, it's, it's all encompassing. All scriptures God breathes. So even though we see some um, really packed out texts, some tension within yeah. this text, uh, all scriptures God breathes. So all scripture will help us answer, you know, help us to see what, what the truth is here. So, so I think when we talk about faith and answered prayer, obviously he, obviously he puts it here. 
and I think we need to put it in. Um, let's let's put the centurion in the middle of this, and let's say and we'll, as we move forward, let's let's put him in in this text here, and says, "Where is he at?" It says, "Hey, move, be moved, uh, and say to this mountain, be moved, and it would move right." And so think about the mountain as a problem, not that Jesus is saying, "Hey, go over here to say this mountain that I created." The literal, and, yeah, Mount Everest. I, yeah, it's just it's not necessarily a mountain. Uh, it's a problem. What's my insurmountable problem? Because who in the world can go sit up to a mountain and pick it up and move it? Like, that's crazy, right? So I think he's saying, what insurmountable issue? Centurion was, my servant is dying, and he needs to be healed. There's no medicine back in, you know, first century B.C. There's nothing there. If you're sick, you're, gonna, you're either going to live or you're going to die. There's really no other option, right? Insurmountable problem. And as he moves forward to it, Jesus says, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says. And so he has this, this faith, but I think we need to take this faith as in not this faith that is like I can stand up and I can pray in such a bold way or I carry myself. You know, it's, it's about being the centurion who's humble and saying, I'm not worthy for you to move this mountain, Jesus. I'm not worthy at all, but I ask for it. You know, I think that's the faith that he's calling for, right? If we put the centurion and match him up with this text. Yeah. That's, how, that's how centurion approached praying to move the mountain. He says, that mountain shouldn't be moved for me because I'm not worthy of it. Mm-hmm. But Jesus, And I also I think for, for my, and obviously the question that you just raised is that when I look at the centurion story, I think it is a desirable thing to want to have a faith that makes Jesus marvel. Like, mm. I think that story should incite us. One, yeah. one, it should incite us to be, okay, we're not worthy to have you come. Like, humility and a high view of God. But even to strive for a type of faith that makes Jesus marvel. Mm. Not to the point of where then, if I have this amount of faith, then God will move, then God will answer my prayer. Because that's an extreme that we can cut out because we know that there's there's unbelief scripture where, like, Jesus, I, I don't have enough faith. Help my unbelief. Yeah. And he answers prayers. But mm. I think... When you take out those two extremes, you can definitely look at the centurion and strive. Because I think we have, I heard someone say this, we have Christians today that are unbelieving Christians, that are walking around, Mm. that are, um, frankly, going through the motions. They're praying prayers, but they don't, they're not, they don't have a fire. They don't have Mm. this hunger to see God move. They're praying and they... They don't really know what they're praying. They're going through the motions. So I think in the context of these, in these healthy boundaries of extreme and extreme, yeah. I think it's something we can strive at. To, like I want, there's a response required of us. We have a will and, and to pursue that, mm. that faith of the centurion. Would you agree with that? I mean, that's kind yeah, of. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, even you said, mentioned Mount help my unbelief. I think even the centurion help my unbelief, I think what kind of lines up, it's, it's a humility. Yeah. These are humility is coming in. I don't know everything, so help me. Are the centurion I'm not worthy? I think humility is the key. I think when we just kind of go around and doing the motions, it's the key is we're not humble. We're going through the motions because we got it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I don't I don't need to humble myself. And that's why Jesus says in the Beatitudes, the meek shall inherit the you know the earth. He was inherit the kingdom of uh, of God. And so we're called to be meek. We're called to be humble. And that's such a difficult thing to be. Um I mean, look at Look at everyone in power, right? I mean, gosh, there's so many things going on, you know, um, right now. Even we could, this may not be what we want to jump into, but let's take uh, the, the, the Supreme Court, Roe versus Wade. And I look at both sides now. 
There's no humility on either side. Everyone wants to claim one thing, well, I'm right and you're wrong. It's, yeah. There's no love either way. And the truth of the matter is one side should have love on the other side, but they don't. It's, yeah. it's, you, you, every time you see it, you see people in power, there's no humility constantly. Uh, we see it in the church where yeah. we're supposed to be. And so because that's what this, I think that's what Jesus marveled at. He marveled at humility. And when Jesus goes into his hometown, a man who's done miracle upon miracle, right, they've seen it. Like literally they, they knew he's healed a man with leprosy. That's crazy. Like, how do you walk? He touched a man who leprosy, and Jesus should have got leprosy and died, right? Instead, this guy is completely and totally healed, and it's, like, verified. It's like, so they, they, they see him cast out demons, all these things he's done, and they, they don't have faith in him because they come from a standpoint of, oh, I'm God's chosen people. I am yeah. so much greater than you. And they have no humility, and that's what he marvels at a lack of faith, and that lack of faith is tied to the humility. So do you think it would be to get extremely practical? We see the marveling at the unbelief of the people in Nazareth, his, his, the people that know him, and then mm. the marveling of the centurion, of the, how great his faith, how great of a humility he had. Do you think those things are practically things we could strive towards as believers? Like, yeah. hey, like, whoa, be weary of your unbelief of Jesus. Oh, these people are familiar with Jesus, mm. but truly aren't wanting to see him work wonders or have underlying doubt in their lives. Like, ah, could Jesus really do that? Yeah. We can go through so many hypotheticals, but do you think these things are strivable or should be benchmarked? Yeah, maybe? I think so. I think it's understanding that uh, God is completely and totally in control. So maybe, let me let me do it. Let me answer this, say it this way, and then I can come back. I don't know if this will make sense or not. So this morning I was going back through reading a book, uh, A Tale of Three Kings, that really... Helps understand like um, hurt within the church, and so it tells the story of David, and it takes the story of King David and how with King Saul and then Absalom his son. And one of the things at the very end of the book, David mentions, um, I don't know for word for it, but I kind of paraphrase. He's pretty much saying like, if God wants me to be king, I'll be king. If He wants Absalom to be king, Absalom will be king, because yeah. God's kind of Psalm ten, raise up kings and raise up kingdoms, or and bring them down. Right, so. David comes to a point, he says, you know, I'm going to flee because God, as King Saul was King Saul, Saul didn't become king because Saul wanted to be king. God made him king. Yeah. Think about that. Even with the sin of the people, however you want to, it's God made him. Every yeah. single person in power across, if we understand, we, if we agree with Psalms, what Scripture tells us, God, any party in power is in power because God placed him there, even For in sure. North Korea, right? Yeah. Um, and so however that is, whatever sin is existing, God is in control. Um, and so let's think about and uh, in, in back into the question about being humble in every single circumstance is understanding bad things happen and bad things happen because sin is in the world. And so we don't live life in the now. We live life in the new heaven and new earth. We look towards the resurrection, yeah. right? And that's a humility saying, you know, if this life is everything I ever wanted, and this is the only thing I'm living for, then you've forgotten what you were created for. Mm. You were created for something else. Understand this is not our home. And I understand we love people and all those kind of things, and I never want, I don't want my family. You know, my yeah. daughter, I think about her and think if something happened to them, I'd be brokenhearted. Yeah, you're yeah. going to struggle with it. It's okay to struggle in your faith during hard times, but it's about being humble and saying, I don't get it. You're yeah. not supposed to get death because we weren't, we weren't created to die. We are still immortal beings. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we we live forever. Our souls live forever. It's just that sin came in the world, and our these bodies are decaying. Right. And so, 
And that's what scripture tells us. And so, gosh, it's just that humility understanding. Yeah, that's that's I don't an interesting get it. thought because when I I've actually had this thought recently of like when you're praying for somebody to be healed, especially a believer, you can have the like a faith that makes Jesus marvel mm. and say the healing doesn't happen. It's not that we're worse off or how dare you, God, not heal. Like I had a faith. Yeah. They're actually going to heaven where we were designed to be. It's actually better. It's, it's a it's a win-win. God yeah. heals. We get to worship him and praise him because yeah. he just showed his wonder and his power in our eyes on earth, in, in front of us on earth. But if she dies, he dies as a believer. She's going mm. to where we're designed to be in mm relationship with them. you know you say that i heard a guy one time talking about if we took a whole line and we think about eternity and everything that happens across eternity when something happens at this moment we don't understand but jesus might be lying something happened this moment because he's going to reveal it to us in eternity at that moment we don't understand it it might be ten thousand years from now right yeah and we're finally that's why that's why we don't we don't understand at this moment what's going on but we have to look at eternity so yeah, I should pray for healing. I should say, God, you can do it. I'm not, I'm not worthy to ask you to heal this person. This person is not even worthy to be healed, right? None of us are worthy. Yeah. Um, and if we come to a prayer and we want to pray and we want to use our prayer life to almost like control God and get what we want, well, then you don't have faith because you're, not looking, you're trying to put yourself on God's level. But we should always come and saying, man, I'm not worthy, and I don't deserve to get my prayers answered. Mm-hmm. I don't. This person doesn't deserve their prayers to be answered. This person doesn't even deserve to be healed. I don't deserve to be healed because we're sinful, right? Yeah. And so understanding that, and so just coming to God and saying, I know I'm worthy, but here's the cool thing. I know God loves me immensely. Yeah. And that he sent his son to die for me. And right to to pay for our sins, to to literally bear our sins, become our sins. So He makes me worthy through Christ, but I still come in humility. You know, I'm not worthy, and I'm asking that that faithful humility way. And I have a thought here too that all these hard questions about life, majority of the time, it's a middle. There's a middle balance between mm. all of the of the controversial things. But in terms of this about praying with faith and faith meriting you an answered prayer. And then, oh, it's all God. Like, I don't have, it don't matter what faith mm. I have. God, they're both true. Let me, maybe not both true, but I think having the statement, God, no matter my faith, God will answer prayer when he determines the prayer needs to be answered yeah. or how he wants to do it on his, in his own will is true along with the believer should strive to have a faith that makes Jesus yeah, marvel because exactly. it's not that our faith will then merit a response from God, but our faith, that's not an excuse not to have faith. Yeah. I, I definitely believe we see two extremes of like mm. the faith that then merits the response and then a bunch of Christians who are, have lack of faith. Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. I mean, like we always think either or, and we always think either or because one's right, one's wrong. We, we always want to. And either or is typically never in a humble way. It's always both ends. So let's take the example of uh, Abraham and the three visitors, right? And many people like it's it's by the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. And that's what I think, too. Um, visiting Abraham, and it's about Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah, right? So they yeah. come to him and says, we're going to, and God and the three visitors come and say, we're going, or the three visitors say, we're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham's like, man, my, my nephew Lot's there, right? Yeah. With his family. If you bring if you bring this fire sulfur and destroy it all, he's going to be killed. Can can you can we save him? And so Abraham begins asking, 
If you find 50 righteous people, will you spare? Yes. What if you find 30? Yes. What if you find 10? Yes. So um, this happens another time in Scripture too, but I, I think in this moment, I think if we look at the sense of Abraham asking or the other sense that God is completely and totally sovereign, which he is, and knowing he's going to destroy and do whatever he wants, I think Abraham gets a part in this. We get a part in this. It's mm-hmm. saying God's going to do what he does, and it's already predetermined. Absolutely God's predetermined because God doesn't change his mind. So if we look in the full context of everything, God's never changed. If he does change it, he, he ceases being God, but it's, it's, it's a both and. So Abraham needed to have a humil- humble faith to ask God for it to do these things, and so Abraham gets a part yeah. in what's going on. God doesn't ignore his faith. God doesn't ignore his humility. He's playing a part, even though at the same time, there is a plan in place that God is going to do what God does. Mm. But it doesn't move out and say, well, Abraham doesn't even matter. No, it both matters. It's a both and. Because if we don't, then what we become is what you're saying. We become people who just go through the motions like, well, God's going to do what God's going to do. I don't need anything. Um, Would you say, to be extremely practical, does faith matter in answered prayers? No. Is that an excuse for you to have lack of faith? No. Repent. God's kindness is meant to lead you to forgiveness. If you are doubting you have lack of faith, God has grace and is going to draw near to you in that unbelief. But take hold, take heart, and repent and, yeah. and respond in faith. Here's what's really interesting. When we talk about the Mark 11, and there's some kind of key points, I think we can really understand what's... Uh, going on here. Number one, this statement, this, these things were made to the disciples. It's not made to the multitude. It's not made to the crowd. When he says, you can see this mountain be moved and it moves and have faith and all these kind of things. So we can't take it and claim it for ourselves. Like, oh, that's a promise that God made directly towards me. No, 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 no. He made it to 12 different men. Let's exclude Judas here, right? Uh, these 11 men who had extreme amounts of faith. We see it constantly across the board that they're growing and learning. Like Peter says in the rich young ruler, right? Who comes and he, right? He Jesus says, give um, half your possessions away, or all your possessions away, come and follow me. He leaves because he's a man of great wealth. And Jesus says, it's impossible, you know, it's impossible for, for man uh, to come to God. Uh, or Peter says that, but he says sometimes it's, it's, it's hard for a rich man like that. Man, man is very wealthy. It's harder for him to go, you know, come to God than go to Ivan, eat all that stuff. But anyway, in that story, Peter says, man, if this guy can't come, because in the Jewish culture, a man who had, uh, uh, who had wealth, who had status. Like, How can anyone be saved? Yeah, because he was the man, that was the guy who got blessed, right? That's, like, that's their mindset in the Jewish world. And he said, if he can't come, then I'm definitely not able to come. Jesus says, you know, you know, it's impossible with man, but what's, you know, it's not impossible with God. And so he looks at disciples and he says, you've left everything for me. Understand, you're going to get this back tenfold. Yeah. Um, maybe not on earth, but you will in heaven, but you're going to receive my blessing. Blessing's not wealth. It's never wealth. It's never even health. Blessing from God is knowing him. That's the blessing, right? So he made to the disciples. So we have to understand when he makes his statement to the disciples and he says he's making it, I think, partly too to, towards their character. He understands their heart and his character. So we need to understand, um, I put on here in one of my notes, is we must understand what it means to be a disciple. If I want this to be a truth about me, that I can pray to that mountain to be moved, I have faith and I trust and I have this humil- a humble faith, it can happen. I need to also have the characteristics of a disciple. And Jesus clearly points out what a characteristic of a disciple is in Mark 8, where he says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, Luke says daily, and follow me. Literally say, I'm like the centurion, 
I'm not worthy. Deny myself, you know? It's not about yeah. me, it's about God. And then number two, I've got to take up the cross, which cross back in that day was a horrible word to say. You don't say crucifixion, you don't say cross, because it was the worst way to die. It's a curse mm-hmm. word, you know, essentially. And so it's horrible. So Jesus literally said, I want you to take up the worst form of, of, of persecution you can ever, you're suffering, right? The yeah. cross. Take up, if you were taking up a cross, it means you're about to be hung on it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Take it up. But also take up your instrument of salvation at the same time. Like, what? And so yeah. I think, too, to reflect that, um, so meaning our prayers must be reflected from what it means to be a disciple. And I think we can also, meaning, so in our prayer life, what's what's the end goal? How do we really reflect that? Let's make it practical. Let's um, let, me, let me read in Mark 10, I think, right before this, the end of Mark... Um, let me make sure I get the right verse. Uh, I've got it here. Ah, Mark ten forty five. That's our verse. Okay, this is really the theme verse of Mark, and I think this is the this is the this is the attitude we should reflect in our prayer. That when Jesus says, "This is what you can do," if this is not our heart, then this verse will never apply to you. Here's what it says, right? For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Meaning my prayer life shouldn't be a way that I pray so God serves me. I, if I can get enough faith, God needs to answer me because I deserve it. Look how much faith I have. That's not the heart. My, my goal is saying, God, you shouldn't answer any of my prayers. I'm not here to be served. But God, rather than answer my prayers... God, let my life be complete like you. Let me be a ransom for many. Like Paul says, I want to fellowship in the sufferings of Christ, and I want to know the resurrection, right, of Jesus. Paul says, I want my life to be a ransom for many. I want to reflect completely and totally the life of Christ. So to let's kind of broaden out even more so. So when my everything about our prayer life is not that I have uh, something answered, uh, answered prayer, but rather my goal in life is, is to constantly reflect the heart of God and my humility. What's, what's, what's the heart of God and all that what we've been talking about today? I think we can go back to Roman centurion and say God's heart, when he, he marvels at the faith of this Roman, that Jesus was not just about Jews. He's not about the church. He's about all nations and all people. And if my prayer life and my life, my attitude doesn't reflect that, I think we've missed it, right? So when we think about our faith and prayer, really... Sometimes well, maybe I'm wrong, but I think what we're talking about is really our attitude, our character, our heart, and the way these things matter is if this matters. And our heart should be that my life will become a ransom for many, that um, that I will be used in such a way by Christ, by God, that my life will lead many people to the Lord because that's what I want. I don't care about answered prayer, but what I really care about is making making much of Christ, right? That's yeah. the goal. And when that becomes our heart, I want to humble myself knowing I'm not worthy for answered prayers. All only thing I'm worthy for, Jesus, is that my life becomes a ransom for many. That should be the only thing I care about, right? That's good. <laughs> we had a we had a couple more questions, but I feel okay. like that would be a good thing to wrap up on, to be honest. Yeah, man. I yeah, mean, this yeah. was already 45 minutes of podcast. Those, those ones took a little little bit. But I think my last bit of encouragement would be to this this is a hard topic to work through. Mm. So I feel like if you're listening, just make sure you're in prayer, you're seeking God, you're seeking wisdom, you're pouring over the scripture. A lot of times when I would work through hard topics like this in the past, I would just go to YouTube and go to like learn from people, which yeah. is good. It's good to learn from people, but spend some real time in prayer, spend some meaningful time in the mm. word of God. 
and yeah. be slow to judge. These are hard topics. Be slow to delay judgment. Okay, this is right or this is wrong. Mm. Just continue to delay judgment and seek truth. But Adam, I really appreciate yeah. you coming on, dude. This was fun. This was awesome. Yeah, and I'll say one more word of encouragement. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Just the goal in life, I think, when I fall, be humble. Man, find ways to be humble. Find ways to be pray for, praying for being humble. Remember, too, you know, we, we didn't get to that when we talk about prayer. You know, James also says that the reason you don't, you don't have it is you don't ask the will of God. We need yeah. to understand the will of God, and it's simple. It, it bears down. Mark ten forty five, right? Be humble. Be like the centurion, you know? Yeah. Uh, we want to be like him. We want to have this humble faith. And if you can find a ways to be more humble, you know, like you saw about prayer, reading your Bible, man, get, getting with a community of believers and— Man, stop trying to be right. You know, yeah. stop trying to like be the smartest guy in the room or be the most right. Just man, find ways to be humble. Humble yourself mightily, right? Yeah. Humble yourself in the mighty hand of God. First Peter five, and in due time, He's gonna lift you up. Heck yeah. Live that way, and you know God has a plan for you. That plan, I mean, what your plan? For may sure. not be money, may not be wealth. You know, it could be wealth. It could Who be. Knows? Who, Who knows? knows? But it's all about. Reflecting the heart of God in every single thing you do. Yeah. Man, so we just got to walk that way. If you're in Arkansas and you're watching this, make sure you get connected with the BCM yes. in Russellville. Yes. Arkansas Tech students, come on, get connected. Adam always brings truth, always brings the word. Mm. Appreciate you coming on here, yeah, brother. Man, thanks for having me. All right, y'all. We'll see you on the next video. See ya.